0: Yeah, say hello to the bad guy, the good guy coming last place, mm-hmm. 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 smell that dope when I pass by, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, by. Oh, oh, I, oh, I let my money at a fast pace, oh, say, say, right. say hello to the bad guy, I'm your host Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal, and we're talking outlaws and gangsters, we're not going to be covering too many serial killers, that's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. But really, you can't even call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host today. First I got with me, the original bad guy co-host, the Duke.
2: What up? The original bad guy, son.
1: <laughs> now, when it comes to drinking beer, I've always kind of, we've compared you to a goat. <laughs> you kind of just drink whatever without complaining. But- oh, I thought you meant I was the greatest of all time. It looks like you stepped your game up a little bit today.
2: Yeah, I got uh, some sticky, icky, icky. I, I don't know. I never tried it, but it's got a hairy man, Scrooge McDuckin' into a <laughs> pile of uh, weed. So I was like, that could be me.
1: Well, we talked about it one time. Anything, if you throw a bastard on the name... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just a giant child, so I like it. So yeah, if you call the beer sticky icky icky, it's gonna get picked up.
2: Well, I'm such a child, I judge my beer and like my sports teams by their logos and shit. Like yeah,
1: that <laughs> looks cool. I like it. That's how I go. All right. Uh, back with us today. We got Cancer. What up? Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, and I know uh, last time you was talking about like uh, the founder's Scotch Ale. Yeah, but uh, I think my beer is the most childish
3: of all of yours today because I have Bean Flicker, oh, uh, coffee blonde ale from Outside, which is really, really fucking good.
1: Uh, it's actually one of my favorites because I like coffee beers, but typically mm-hmm. that's with your stouts and your porters. You yeah. don't, you don't get a lot of light beers. Well, that's what's with-
3: cool about blonde ale is You can mix pretty much anything into a blonde ale. Like they'll have a blonde chocolate or this and that. So anything with coffee, like a blonde ale with coffee, I'm, I'm there, no matter who makes
2: it. See, I'm a little ashamed to admit, I'm like an Eskimo with snow when it comes to words for a male masturbating, but it took me forever before I learned what bean flicking meant. Ah, like, yeah. I was a grown man. I think it was Jenny was drinking one of them beers and she was making jokes. I was like, what's the bean flicking? I'm like, oh, I'm... Way too (laughs) ill-informed about this. Well, welcome to the joke. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) welcome to more (laughs) childish humor. Like, if there's a beer called Flogging the Dolphin, I know what that's all about.
1: Beating the bishop. (laughs) So, uh, I went with uh, Atwater Detroit Pale Ale, because I just found out today that uh, Molson Coors bought Atwater. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm not going to be able to be a beer snob and call it a local beer for right, too much yeah, longer. Yeah. So yep. I figured might as well while well, I still got the chance.
2: Yeah, it sucks <laughs> to be you. This is all local, baby. Yeah. For
1: now. Come him another year. Well, I mean, when that money comes, what are you going to do?
2: Yeah. They're gobbling them up, man.
1: Now, we talked about it a little bit last time, but I know you've been rapping a long time, and then now your last album, it was called Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right, that's available on, like, Bandcamp? Yeah,
3: Spotify, iTunes, um, your next-door neighbor's veterinarian probably has it. (laughs) Uh, Probably cheaper than what you would get it online. But, yeah, I mean, you could pretty much find it anywhere. All right. And And, and if you type in Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles, besides being on a list somewhere for the government, my album should be one of the first things to pop up.
1: I, I tried it to make sure, and as I was doing <laughs> yeah. it, I thought, "Well, this is this is skeptical. We'll give it a shot." But yeah, it was the first thing that popped up, and the so.
3: feds didn't come, right?
1: <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, <they're good. laughs> it's, it it's still early.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: give it time. But oh. what's uh, what's your style rapping? By the um, way, like, I
3: don't know. I mean, traditionally, I guess they would call it boom bap, but it's. Um, Just, like, funny, violent shit. (laughs) Word. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty much how I always sum it up.
2: But what kind of, uh... Is it almost, like, 90s style? You're an older cat. Yeah, I guess you would say, like, 90s shit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's what I, that's the rap. I, I mean, I don't, I don't mumble and I don't have face
3: tattoos <laughs> <laughs> or skittle colored fucking teeth. But and yeah, you I ain't mean, little cancer. No, you know? not little cancer. <laughs> I've always been <laughs> short cancer, but never little cancer. <laughs> well,
1: maybe that's your problem is you're making good music. You should have started mumbling a long time I, ago. Yeah, you could have shot to the
3: top of the charts. Every time I look at the list, I'm like, yeah, I could have done that. But no, nah, I'm happy where I'm at. Fuck that. <laughs> keep the integrity. Yup, like to keep it real.
1: Word. Now, uh, before we get started, I got to make sure I thank Six Sueno for letting us use his song for the intro music. He's a local Detroit rapper, talented kid. So subscribe to his YouTube channel, follow him on social media, support local artists. You can also now follow us on Instagram at Bad Guy badguypodcast on Instagram. Uh, oh, moving up. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. And the bad guy we're going to cover today is Thomas Patera.
0: This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene. Fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend.
1: Thomas Patera, I feel like he should be on the all-nickname team. Not on quantity, but on quality. (laughs) All right. uh, I can't wait. He was also known as Tommy Karate.
2: I mean, there you go. Did, did Danny McBride play him in the movie? <laughs> that that does
1: sound like a Danny McBride character. Tommy Karate, all right. So that,
2: seriously, that sounds like uh, the old
1: Living Color sketch. Karate, protecting my body. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. Yeah, Thomas Patera, aka Tommy Karate. Honestly, I picked him because when I started, you know, I've always got to do research on these guys. And when I started looking around, I was like. As soon as I seen the nickname, I'm like, bam, we're covering hell. Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, great. You, you can't scroll past that. <laughs> I got to dig deeper. No oh, shit. So uh, Tommy was born December 2nd, 1954. He was the second of two children, and he was raised in the Gravesend neighborhood of Brooklyn. Big surprise, it was called Gravesend because it was built around the Gravesend Cemetery. And that was kind of the centerpiece of the neighborhood.
3: I'm so jealous of all these fucking people that grew up in these neighborhoods that have, like, really cool... I grew up in Hell's Kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in uh, Gravesend. Fucking Dolphin Murder. and You know what I'm saying? Like, all these cool fucking names, like... I grew up in Southgate. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> we we did a We pal- called our neighborhood Southgate. The, the Gate. <laughs> you can go with the, the Gate.
2: gate. <laughs> Ooh. From Wine The dirty dot, son. <laughs> yeah,
1: sweet. For
2: people that don't know, that
1: is the whitest town ever. Um, <laughs> uh, we we covered a guy one time, Lee Murray. He was from Shooter's Alley. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's much better. Much better. Look, I mean, you know you're destined to become a bad guy when you're born in Gravesend.
3: Yeah, 100%. Like,
1: what else are you going to do? Now, Gravesend, even though New York is obviously a big city, Gravesend was kind of like a real tight knit community. So everybody knew each other, there's no outsiders, it was a predominantly Italian community. So obviously, the maf- mafia kind of flourished in that neighborhood. Okay. So the mob, the mafia was the local heroes, and they all hook out, uh, hung out at the local mob bars and social clubs and stuff like that. If if you grew up in Gravesend, you grew up well, and it was around the same time. We, we've all seen uh, Bronx Tale. Yeah, it's kind of like that. That's okay. what you do. You grow up in the neighborhood, just watching the mobsters it's do. Like their a thing. way of life.
2: It's just there. Well, I mean, it sounds like even today in the hood, it's just you got your block and. The people, the tight-knit community, and then that's your territory nope. is that section. Just the mob was Italian-based, and they had their section.
1: Yep. When Tommy was growing up, he was viciously bullied daily. He was real small. He was real frail and he had a squeaky falsetto voice that nice. some people said he sounded like Michael Jackson or Mickey Mouse. I can't relate at all. <laughs>
2: oh, come on, guys. One day I'm a little karate. I'm going to come back. I'm going to whoop all your asses. Uh,
1: some of the beatings were so bad. Uh, one of the quotes I was listening to, the guy compared his bullying to chaining a dog to a fence and beating it every day.
2: Shit. <laughs>
1: So basically there's nowhere you can go and it's gonna keep coming. So that's all you got. Yeah, man, that's horrible. The two things they said about him getting bullied growing up is it said he always lost and he never gave up. So he was real <laughs> scrappy, but he was just always getting the shit what beat out of him. What a
3: reputation to have.
2: He's got a lot of heart. Can't fight for shit, but <laughs> so, man. He was like Nick Totoro from the longest yard. The oh, little Mexican guy that was just getting beat up but kept on going at him. A little scrappy dude. Good yeah. lord, man. Hey whatever, proud, your tiny dude getting your ass kicked. Keep on going.
1: It builds character. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: tough uh, skin, I guess, <laughs> on your face. Like the the, <laughs>
1: the the movie Knock Around Guys, where it says five hundred. No, you gotta get yeah, it five hundred yeah. fist fights before you can consider yourself a real tough guy. So so he's officially a tough guy? <laughs> no. No, he was a he was a little kid that was getting the shit beat oh, out man. of him. But in nineteen sixty six, the Green Hornet came out and Bruce Lee Played Cato in the Green Hornet, yeah, and he became obsessed with Bruce Lee and the martial arts. Oh man!
2: Ah, one day you guys keep picking on me. I'm gr- i am no karate. I'm gonna get you. I'm put on a black mask.
1: Well, he, he asked his dad to put him in karate, and his, his dad let him. So his dad signed him up in karate. Yeah, it'll stop you from getting your ass whooped every fucking day <laughs> viciously like a dog. Visually.
2: Well, see, this uh, you know, it's so back in the day, and how much times have changed. Because nowadays, I hear that I'm like, man, he should go into like Muay Thai or something. Why? Karate. That's a yeah, lame yeah. ass one. <laughs> like yeah, that was like then. the only option, I think, back then. Yeah, back <laughs> in the day karate just was martial martial arts wasn't a thing. It was just, oh yeah, karate or kung fu. Well, there was probably the a same. bunch of them
3: all over the place too. Like you know, I don't know if strip malls were a thing at that time, because I don't know the origin of strip malls. <laughs> but if there were <laughs> Every strip mall has a karate place in it. So. Sure.
1: Well, even still today, even now when jujitsu is a thing, karate studios are still PKSA yeah. is all over the place. Yeah, so, sure. oh yeah. Well, and you could see that karate was because this is the '60s and karate was huge then. Yeah but just off the fact Bruce Lee wasn't a karate guy he was a kung fu guy right, and he right. still said yeah I like Bruce Lee I'm gonna join karate yeah, they don't know the difference you know what I'm saying like <laughs> I love Japanese food I'm gonna have
3: some uh, egg roll <laughs> it's, like, it's <laughs> not even Japanese food
2: see what's fucked up is what if he goes to class all the people that are whooping his ass are going to that class. ah they know all my tricks <laughs> yeah like, that's gotta be the worst thing to show up
3: to class and it's all the people that whoop yeah, your ass on a daily like, basis god, god they're damn it you're just gonna get better and, <laughs> and you're then, just
2: gonna be and then the sensei's like alright uh you you two match up, son yeah. of a bitch.
1: I mean, that's kind of like Cobra Kai, right? That's what happened? He tried to go learn his shit. Yep. Turns out Johnny's the prize studio. Like, oh, fuck. If Tommy uh-huh.
2: finds a little Chinese gardener and that's how he learns how to do tricks, this story got 100% <laughs> better.
1: He basically just threw himself into karate. So they say once he started karate, that's all he did was he was either at karate class, he was working out, or he's in front of a mirror practicing his karate. <laughs> <All he did.
2: laughs> just this little tiny Italian kid, high pitch, that. just in the, you're talking to me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, chat to yourself, you're yeah, talking would, to me. I would love to see that.
1: Like, no wonder he's getting picked on, he's boxing <laughs> in the mirror. By the time he was in high school, no, he, he wasn't big, because he never got to be too big of a guy, but he was he was strong, and he was muscular, and he was really confident, and he could fight. And he didn't take shit no more and nobody fucked with him. So nice. once he got to high school, I mean it, accomplished. It worked. You Is can't it? do you can't do that today. You go take some karate lessons, you go to school, they're still gonna kick the shit out of you. Yeah.
2: Tiny guys, those are the ones you gotta look out for because those mm-hmm. are the crazy ones. Those are the Resourceful, ones Resourceful, crazy, yeah, all that shit. Well just you know if they're scrappy, that means they're used to getting their ass mm-hmm. kicked. Like, what are you gonna do to this guy? Like no. And they're crazy, so you don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> right,
1: they have mirrors. They know they're little, yeah. and they're still down to go. Yes. So they got to be ready to fight.
2: Like a dude that's twice your size, chances are he's not going to whip out
1: a knife and stab you. right. right. little dude, yep. he'll probably stab you right in the ball sack. <laughs> so after he graduates high school, uh, in 1974, he's 19 years old, and he entered this like giant New York karate competition where he ended up having to beat seven different dudes in order to win. He wins the tournament, and first place was a room and board scholarship to go study karate under, like, the best masters in Japan.
2: Damn, Dana san didn't even get that shit.
1: (laughs) Right? So, So he took it up, and he went to Japan, spent his year on the scholarship, and then when his scholarship was up, he stayed for another year on his own which he funded with a job that he got at a local chopstick factory.
2: No shit. Wow. That's excellent. Are we going to learn about the first white samurai? Is that what <laughs> his story is?
1: Yeah, he, it's it's actually Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about. I think, like, it's so crazy that you're in Japan, you need to get a job, you go to a chopstick factory. Like, mm. if, 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 we're, so if we were to write that, that'd be like, no, that's too cliche, yeah, nobody's yeah, gonna buy that. Well,
2: he's a little tiny uh, Italian dude from the... He probably got there like, oh, I need a job. Uh, hey, is there a chopstick factory
1: around <laughs> there? <It was> thing <laughs> so I know. Yeah, they <laughs> Karate probably didn't, and not Yeah,
2: they didn't get the sarcasm, they're like, oh yeah, right over there, go work. Uh,
1: he might not even be sarcastic, but his Italian neighborhood, his experience to Japanese culture would have been fairly limited up yeah. until that point
2: so yeah um, well that's what i'm saying like they probably weren't even insulted they probably really thought like oh yeah this guy's
1: looking for a (laughs) job yes we're actually actually hiring come on in
2: the last six uh little five-year-olds we had working there have died off so we need you little guy Oh, man. Maybe they thought he <coughs> was, like, seven. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
3: like, yeah, probably. Enough. Like, you're tiny enough. They were disappointed <laughs> to find out he was, like, 20 at the time. You're, oh, like, you're an adult?
2: <laughs> man, we're looking for
3: child <laughs> yeah, labor. God damn it. <laughs>
1: They're pissed.
3: <laughs> now we they almost got to pay, pay you a living wage. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: yeah, we have one penny more.
1: Ah, fuck. We got to start giving you two puddings? By 1976, he had spent two years in Japan, and he decided it was time to go back home. So, 1976, he returned... Back to Gravesend, Brooklyn. So when he came back in 1976, he had just been living the martial arts lifestyle for a couple of years. Now he only ever topped out at five six. Okay. <clears throat> and I had to do that math off a mugshot. So, <laughs> so that's not an official number. Still that's, taller than me. So we're gonna go with 5'6". six. But by the time he come back, he was a legit badass. He was ripped. He was real big. Yeah, nice. Nah. And he decided, growing up in that area, he had all like the, the guys they looked up to were always mobsters. So he decided he's to start hanging out at these mob bars and these mob spots and start looking for connections, which eventually he found. He met up with a guy whose name was Anthony Bruno Indelicato.
3: Of course. <laughs> Who went by the
1: nickname <laughs> Whack Whack? What? Because Bruno's <laughs> not a badass enough name. You this gotta is, go with Whack Wack. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is the thing we've gone through a thousand, like, why do people with cool ass names choose to go by a nickname? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, just have your cool ass name. That fucking name is awesome. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, like Wack Wack. But well, of course, it's one of those things where back then, like, somebody actually gave you the nickname. Not like the era we grew up in where everybody gave themselves a nickname exactly.
1: He probably didn't
2: say, Ooh, this will be cool.
3: Call yeah, me whack whack. She call me
2: whack whack. I mean, I was called whack whack when I was like twelve. Probably but for a very to, different yeah, reason. Completely different reason. <laughs> uh, I was at camp and it was yeah. yeah, it was a rough period. I was bean flicking. <laughs>
1: well and that's what's fucked up. Like when you go by whack whack, you better be a badass. Because oh, yeah. you don't want people to question why you have that nickname. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna go with Bruno because I don't wanna keep saying whack whack.
2: Yeah, well, What was his last name again?
1: Indelicato.
2: Man, such a cool last name. I don't oh. know. I got to say, if my name was Bruno, I would have to change. Like, give me a different nickname than Bruno. But what I an, don't think Whack Whack would
3: be good. What a melodic name, though. Bruno and Indelicato. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, you
2: can have anything in front of Delicato. Delicato. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be like Doug Delicato.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey,
1: this is True. Gilbert Delicato. Like,
3: <laughs> You're right.
1: What's crazy? Skyler Delicato. <laughs> <laughs> like, any fucking name. <laughs> His dad had the same name, and what, so whack whack? he was Whack, whack Junior. <laughs> but he went by Sunny Red. So you got oh both these guys: yeah. one's, one's Whack Whack and one's Sonny Red. It's not bad enough that you you live in Gravesend,
3: which is cool
2: as shit. But now you have
3: all these other mm-hmm. nicknames. Like,
1: God damn, man,
3: we just it's were it's better Italian, at nicknames. Then.
2: It's Italian meatheads. They don't look. Like, hey, did you see how he hit that kid? Hey, <laughs> it's Whack Yeah, <whack."
1: laughs> it's called Whack Whack. Well, Bam Bam was taken. Yeah, That's probably so what, it's what they yeah. do.
2: They're probably watching Flintstones. Like, hey, it's like Bam Bam, but he's Whack Whack. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Tommy Karate
1: because he knew karate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're they're not real thinkers. They don't dig, they don't do deep dives on these nicknames.
2: And going back to like their sweet ass names, half those sweet ass names were their father's names. So like their ancestors had cool names and they're just like, yeah, we're no good with names. We're just going to keep on going. It's like, why is his nickname fell down the stairs last weekend?
1: (laughs) It kind of tells its own story. We just did a podcast about Superkiller and we Mm -hmm. go from Superkiller to Tommy Karate and Whack Whack.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Karate. Oh, if that's not like an adult swim cartoon. Yeah, that's a great That's <laughs> Tommy Karate and Whack Whack.
1: That's a That's amazing. The the buddy comedy we've been waiting for yeah, this that whole time. Is. Oh, I'm aw, down for that. It. We can't publish this till we start that comic. Now, this is out of the timeline, but long time like, <laughs> like long way down the road. Bruno Indelicato, his claim to fame would technically be he was the guy that Joe Pistone was supposed to hit in order to get made before they pulled the plug on the Donnie Brasco operation. Ah, oh, okay. They wanted Donnie Brasco to kill Whack Whack. Ah, and whack, that's why they they stopped that operation. not Whack Whack Whack? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he come from a mob family. He was a mobster. His dad was a mob capo. And they were in the Banano crime family. So the big difference between the Banano crime family and a lot of the other five families... Is that they
2: were one sil- one vowel away from a ridiculous name?
1: Yes. <laughs> but they made up for it. Look, the same way these stories, no matter which way you're telling it, it all plays out the same. They're also known as one of the five... They're the most violent of the five families. Got it. So just like the story keeps going along, when yeah. you got a goofy name, a boy <laughs> named Sue, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Where it goes. Fight or flight. The other thing that separated them from the other families was this was at a time when the other families were still either not letting their guys sell drugs or, or at least pretending to not let their guys, So you know Some bosses were like Don't do it But they just kind of Turned their head But yeah. it's cool
3: They didn't so, want the other bosses To know what they that they were doing
1: it Right And some of them Were officially like Fuck no No drugs Right The Banano family Was the first family That was like I don't give a fuck <laughs> drugs Can it we up, make money Can we make money Is right. it illegal Yeah fuck well, it Let's
2: do it But it's crazy Like soon as one family Starts doing it The rest are like Well fuck it I guess we'll do it too well, Yeah like, I mean like You can't let
3: one family Have more or or do more than you are, you know what I'm saying? Especially in the same
2: neighborhoods, in the same areas. But see, that also it goes back to that whole uh, mob is so uh, community-based. The whole reason they didn't sell drugs is because they didn't want a bunch of fucking junkies in right. their neighborhood and stuff, and they knew that. And that's why even the ones that, like, would allow that, still, if you got caught doing it in your neighborhood... Right, right. You were still in some deep shit. Keep that shit away from here. Yeah.
1: Like, well, now... That's the like uh, that is a reason, and that's for sure the romanticized reason that they would say it is I'm romantic. Well, you know, to make it like, oh, we're good guys and these drugs and they're bad, blah blah. The real reason that most of the mob families were against selling drugs is because the time, you know, if you get caught with a gambling operation or beating a dude up, you know, you get your couple years and you're you're out. out. Yeah,
3: the drugs,
1: the time was so big, a lot that's when people started flipping risk. Yeah, so you know what you would make... Yeah, you make a lot of money off drugs, but you run that gambling operation, you do your three years, you're back on the streets and you're a fucking hero. You're doing that same amount of money in heroin. Yeah. You're going to get 50 years and you're going to tell them fucking everybody.
3: Yeah, because it's a lot easier to do that three and then be like, you know, I don't have to say anything. And then when you come back, you have a higher stature, whereas, I mean, 20 or 30, 40 years,
1: yeah, I mean... Well, and... Also, the politicians. So, a lot of these people, this neighborhood shit, just like a lot like Prohibition, sometimes you turn, eh, whatever. You, you know, I'll turn my, my head, place a little bet myself, something like that. Uh, but the yeah. drugs was something politicians, they couldn't... Couldn't fuck they, with They, it. they, they couldn't oh, yeah. turn their back to it. Yeah, that makes sense. But, so that was Bruno's operation. He brought on uh, Tommy as, like, an associate and basically taught him the ropes of the drug game. Tommy specialized in collections and enforcement.
3: Mm.
1: He loved... <laughs> He loved karate and up street guys, like for real. Like man, that's when they started calling him Tommy Karate because <laughs> that's how he would do it. He'd just come at you out of nowhere with a chop, <laughs> a flying knee, flying foot. <laughs> well, and, and it does it does seem like everything points to he was very very fucking good at it. Yeah. And you know, we're, and we're talking about drug dealers and cokeheads and shit like that. Yeah, and I mean. The odds of them knowing karate is going to be. Uh,
2: <laughs> now I have this little vision of just a coked up little David Lee Roth running around <laughs> high kicking motherfuckers, just kicking people. That sounds great, actually. <laughs> and he had a high pitched soft. Is this David Lee Roth? Yeah, is this is <laughs> the story of David Lee Roth. This is so, Diamond Tommy Karate.
1: So it's it's Steven Seagal. It's David Lee Roth. <laughs> yes. it's, it's a little right. bit of all the stories. Nice. I mean, the karate probably helped, especially if you're really good, because he did have, like, the highest end of training, and he'd been doing it for a long time. But I think a bigger deal was the fact he was just, he was strong. He was strong, and he was in shape, and he knew how to fight, and he was comfortable with it. That's what they say a lot of times, like, boxers. You say, oh, they're good in the fight. Like, oh, because they punch a lot. It's it's really just a comfort level with that situation. Right. You you know, a lot of people, you throw a punch at people, they start freaking the fuck out. They're not used to that. Right. You know, people that have that experience, they're calmer in those situations and well, absolutely and
2: going back to what i said about the state of mma today considering back then like if you know karate like you know any moves at all and you're dealing with brawlers you got any technique much less this guy that went international like was in japan like yeah. any technique at all you're whooping these motherfuckers out. like even early ufc if the people that knew a little bit of grappling was whooping all these brawlers as, oh yeah as, for sure and, like Nowadays, you go and you try like some simple karate, you're liable to get your ass smacked. But back then, if you're just dealing with a bunch of Italian meat, the second they go for like a double leg takedown, and he just like smacks you in the face and eludes you, they're like what the fuck was this? Well, like they're not ready even for them. All that. these years,
3: I'm still not even familiar with, with what just karate is. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I'm exposed to so many different styles mixed together that yeah. when I look at pure, I don't even know what pure karate just looks
2: like. There's not too many like pure. Like people that stick with one thing. Like, I think yeah, one boxers, discipline. boxers are the only people that stick with boxing. Like, other than that, if you know karate, you're bound to learn some jujitsu, some yeah. muay thai. You learn one other, you learn another. For sure.
1: Well, and if you look, that's the progression of MMA. Like, early MMA was style versus style. You know karate, I'm a wrestler, you're a boxer, I'm a this, and see which ones is better.
2: Well, that brings in the mixed, right? Well,
1: at first it was just versus. Right. right. It was like, just martial with, arts. But then it started to get mixed where you get, like, Matt Hughes, who's a college wrestler, but he realizes, okay, I got to learn how to box. Or a karate guy learns, like, you know, oh, I have to learn jujitsu. But now there's, like, a whole third generation. Like, GSP, he only knows all of them at the same time.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's the one big thing that MMA has done to the fight. Like, before then, UFC started as that, as a bigot. Like, which style is the best? That's what it started Mm -hmm. with. Like, boxers be like, boxers are the best till you get takedown. Then you're a grappler, but you ain't got no strength. And, I mean, UFC really just proved... Kind of what uh, Bruce Lee did way back in the day. Learn all these styles, yep. like. And you know, like let's put this. Uh, let's put this
3: sumo wrestler against uh, a karate guy. Yeah, let's see how yeah. that works.
2: It turns out it's like a rock paper scissors. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. if one style beats another, but then another style beats too. Like,
1: well, and it's crazy because knowing what we know about now about fighting, you look at those fights and they're like. Why is this fat sumo guy out there? Yeah, yeah. But at yeah. the time when we were watching, it, like, oh, this guy's big as fuck. This he's gonna, fuck he's gonna him fight up. that little guy, dude. Mm-hmm. He's the gonna beat his ass
3: from Street Fighter. He's gonna fight big, gigantic sumo wrestling. And I bet you from that's Rawa, why. New Jersey.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you that's why fucking uh, old Tommy was able to whoop so many people's asses. they just saw him as tiny and shit, and he just came out
1: and said, "I'll kick your ass," and he got him. <laughs> Yeah, they're just out there all doped up. I mean, they're really just like a bunch of goofballs that are trying yeah, to fucking I'm sure skip he had out a on
3: reputation somewhere. too because in that area, I'm sure it wasn't like, you
2: know, I'm sure word traveled fast at like, oh, you
3: gotta oh yeah, watch so, how so Tommy much. Karate's coming. Yeah, <laughs> especially once
2: he got the name Tommy Karate. They probably yeah. just dropped Tommy and were like, "Look out, it's Karate."
1: Well, and we did start off by saying that this is a tight-knit community, so anything that right, exactly. happens... So now you get to a point like, oh, fuck, this motherfucker's gonna spin kick oh, me and Oh, he's shit. back from Japan. He thinks he's <laughs> tough, huh?
2: Well, this boy, he's probably just hanging out in front of the stoops and shit, just doing backflips for no reason. So just-
1: he kind of rose through the ranks quick. He was like a superstar, because he was always down or whatever you know what i'm saying he loved the enforcement he loved the muscle and and he was kind of a rising star and in 1978 at the age of 24 uh tommy made his bones which made him eligible to become an official member of the banana family nice so i did a little research on it making their bones so every mobster has to do a hit for the family before they can even be eligible to to join in
2: right a little blood in blood out situation
1: right What's crazy is the progression of it because, like, at one point, it used to just be you had to be in on a hit. So, okay. if they went to go do a hit and you were the driver or you were the lookout, so three dudes go and they kill a guy, bam, they all kind of made their bones, you know, they okay. did this murder. And then later, so they changed that and they're like, no, you actually have to kill the guy.
2: <laughs> you, you can't ride shotgun on bones. Yeah, no. <laughs>
1: Well, And then they changed it to, it can't be some old shit, like some guy that you killed back in the day for some personal shit. It has to be who we tell you to. Oh, okay. So so no
2: shotgun and bones and no bones grandfathered in.
1: Well, and the reason they did that was because Donnie Brasco almost got made. Like, they started to realize, like, well, dude, we got to tighten this up because... He could have oh, yeah. just been a driver never killed a guy because if you're a cop, you can't do that. Right. And then now he gets made into the fucking family.
3: That and now, now,
1: and, and yeah, see, I mean that,
2: that's pretty bullshit. I'm just in the car, so like I get credit for this murder. Like yeah, fuck no. that.
1: That's well. And the other thing is, if it wasn't, it has to be who we tell you to. It can't be some old shit you did on your own. Because cops were good at just like they do with drugs and money. They just come up with a hit that got done, and then just take credit for it. Like, yeah, oh, we'll just steer that one mm-hmm. towards you. Yeah.
2: See, this one of those things. Was like it took them this long to change that rule. That seemed like that would be like. I would think very quickly. All right, to get in, you had to kill someone. All right, it's someone we tell you to kill, and you have to kill. I thought that's like I'm sort of flabbergasted right now. Like how <laughs> the hell was that? Like why did it take that long for that to be a rule? That sounds very common sense to me.
1: Well, they're not rocket scientists. I mean, they're fucking yeah. they're fucking goombas. Well, something. at the same
2: time, they also had like a level of trust because if
3: if everybody's coming up from the same area. And, I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence that this distrust came up around the same time as drugs started to get bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's probably a lot of separation in between um, how the old way of doing shit and the new shit.
2: Because there's just a lot of obstacles that they didn't have to deal with before. Well, probably yeah. and in the old days, policing was a lot different. Like, cops are usually like, you knew them and shit. And you, they worked your beat. Like, soon as, like... Other cops had to check those cops. Like, yeah, I bet you it was a lot. Like before then, their snitching probably wasn't even a thing. Like they weren't even that big into it. And now all of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, we can't buy these guys off, and this guy's snitching. Yeah. Like, then there's a lot of, a of corruption
3: too. Because I mean, you mean figure like Serpico. Was in you know the early early mm-hmm. 70s. So he's blowing the lid off of corruption. So before then, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was probably like yeah. the old West and shit. <laughs> this is it like Serpico? Serpico.
2: Huh? El Pacino. Yeah. Serpico. <laughs> Frank Serpico. <the laughs> hey, Ram- that's was a story, right? Yeah, that's a documentary. No, no Frank Serpico was a real cop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: See, yeah. I don't do good guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do bad
3: guys. I strictly research bad guys, apparently, because I had no
1: fucking clue. I just thought, yeah, that's
2: that El Pacino movie. Well, one of your bad guys will lead you to uh, <laughs> Frank Zerpico. Oh, no, I'm starting a new podcast. Say hello to the cop that doesn't play by your
1: rules. Yeah, <laughs> And it's just every 80s movie. <laughs> so in the early 80s, after he made his bones, within a couple of years, so fairly quick, because he was still in his 20s, which is very young. Uh, the family consigliere. Thanks
2: for clearing that up.
1: Well, I'm just saying mobster-wise, look, some yeah. motherfuckers could be in gangs for a long time. I mean, yeah. you could be in your 40s before you get made sometimes. you got to, you know, grind it out see, for a long see,
2: time. The, who are you, Samuel Jackson starting an acting career? Like, when, when <laughs> oh, you're in your no. 40s and you're not made yet, just hang it up. Like, you're done. You're not a gangster. Just, just, just go get a job at the plant, dude. Yeah, you're <laughs> gangster adjacent. You're yeah. not, like,
3: actually a gangster. Just
2: wear a wife beater and beat your kids with a belt. That's like, true. how do you get—yeah, uh, how do you make it that far? Be like, you know, well, I guess today's my day. It's you know? a certain point, like if you're forty something and you're still just an open mic comic, well, you're never gonna be Eddie Murphy.
1: Well, some of these guys do it their whole life because if you're not a full blooded Italian, I mean, some of these guys are lifelong criminals that work True. with these mobsters, and they can never get made. But they just, as long as you're connected with a crew, yeah, you're under that umbrella. You're just never. Yeah. That means they can always. You're always open to get hit, you know, because if you're actually made, they need uh, permission to get you. People aren't allowed to put their hands on you.
2: Yeah, you know maybe at that point it's just your fort so you get seniored in. Like, that's that's not getting made. It's just getting senior rights.
1: Frank Spiro nominated him in the early 80s and he got made. And he was assigned to Frank Lino's crew. First thing he did was start up his own drug operation and kind of bring in his own crew of associates to kind of work under him. He had, he had learned pretty good. He fucking crushed it with the drug operation and started raking in the money. Tommy loved being a made man. He compared it to a samurai, you know, because he was like, of course. oh, <laughs> you know, you serve your master and you don't snitch and it's the family first. And- <laughs> he
2: keeps on calling us capo Sensei. <laughs> Don Sensei. Don Sensei.
1: Do for you? Well, I mean, you got to figure it's a lot like how, like, athletes translate well to the army. You're, yeah. you're used to somebody telling that you what to do. Into yeah. I mean... When I first read it, it sounded stupid, but when you kind of break it down, you're like, well, I mean, I guess being a mobster, there are some comparisons to that samurai life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be fighting
2: for your purpose or whatever. Like, he probably felt very zen about it. Like, yes, this is my work and I work for my family.
1: So he uh, he married his high school sweetheart, a lady named Carol Burgoski, and had a son. And he felt like now, he was, now he's a made guy. It was really important to him to start off his reputation right off the bat as like a he wanted his name to be known that he was the fucking guy. He, was, he basically went looking for an opportunity to make an example. And there was a drug dealer named Tom, Thomas Salerno uh. who always paid but had a bad habit of paying late. So it might have worked, except he was looking to make an example. So even though he was still getting paid, he's like, you know what? I got I to do something with one of these fuckers. So he took him for a ride in his car, killed him, stuffed him in his own trunk and parked it in front of the Gravesend Cemetery, like a couple blocks from the house he grew up in, to set an example for the neighborhood that, pay me late, This
2: is what happens,
1: we <laughs> will bury you in your own car in front of the cemetery.
2: Damn, man. What a way to go out. It's weird that he had to make an example when, like, people already know him. Like, he's already Tommy Karate. He's that little white dude flipping around.
1: But, you see, like, if you watch, you, watch, you know, Sopranos, you see any of this stuff, it's like a different thing to them once you become, like, an official... Mob guy, you know you got to start yeah. establishing your, recipe, you know, your reputation, yeah. and you know he also wanted to separate himself from other mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Like, yeah, I know we're all badasses, but I'm for real. Yeah, the yeah. guy, not only do you have to pay me, don't even pay me late, motherfucker. <laughs> I will fucking kill you.
2: This town's only big enough for one Tommy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he became so feared, like nobody would fuck with him, and he was pretty respected for his ability to get rid of people to the point. Uh, At one point, he ended up killing a gangster named Willie Boy Johnson, who was a lifetime friend of John Gotti. When John Gotti and Willie Boy Johnson were in trial together, he found out that Willie Boy had been snitching for 22 years. So he'd been snitching from the 60s. And he found out when they got to trial and all these records get released.
3: Damn. Damn. (laughs) Your homie
1: (laughs) of 22 years has been snitching the whole time. Well, and they say a lot of the reason uh, Willie Boy is half Indian, so... His mom was Italian, but his dad was Indian. So he blamed it on that? Well, he could never be an official guy. Yeah. And he said, like, at one point, like, he had grew up with John Gotti. John Gotti was a little bit younger than him.
3: Yeah.
1: And then once, when John Gotti became a hot shot, he started, like, Willie Boy all of a sudden had to be his driver and shit. Ah, yeah. And he kind of just got, like, real bitter about, oh, and then there was one time he did, he did some time, and they were supposed to take care of his wife while he was locked up. And they didn't, ah. and that's when he actually was like, "All right, fuck these guys." They had a chip
2: on his mm-hmm. shoulders, like they ain't gonna look out for me. So hell hath no fury look at Indian scorn.
1: Well, and they, and what's weird is uh they say that fucking of all the informants, he didn't ask for as much money. Like he didn't ask as much. Most informants did. Oh, he was just he dry just, snitching. Yeah, he just
3: wanted to do it. Hell, he, yeah. he just
1: really did like these dudes. Like, fuck
3: these guys. Well, man. I mean,
2: that's the that's a big part on everything there you're the mob or like a good corporate, you got to treat your workers good. Yeah, I mean if you're not able to reap the benefits that everyone else is, you're not going to put in the same effort. Well, that's the big thing whenever you talk to anyone, like even bikers. Like why are you like – because it's a family, we take care of each other. But like if you're in that and then they don't take care of you, then you're like – well then, what the fuck am I yeah, here Yeah, what
1: am I, for? I doing here? I am currently in prison. Yeah. Are we not going? Are we not doing this or what? Because right, right, I yeah. am.
2: I mean, that's the big thing over money, over all that shit. If like you're supposed to be family, taking care. So like, if they just didn't give him his cut or something, that's one thing. But like, you no, know, when I get locked up, you're supposed to take care of my family. No. That's like the way it is. Like, you don't do that.
3: Like, what else are we doing
1: here? Yeah. yeah. Tommy and a guy named Vincent Giatano they killed Willie Boy Johnson in front of his Brooklyn home when he was walking out to his car. They shot him in each leg, twice in the back, and six times in the head.
3: Mm. Uh, by request from John Gotti, or was it for something else?
1: No, it specifically said it was a personal favor for John Gotti. Ah, yeah. And that's why they had Tommy Karate doing it, because it's one of these things, like, we look, we need, <laughs> we <laughs> need hey, someone man. good.
2: No, <laughs> I got a question. He got all popular. He's the enforcer. He's crane kicking motherfuckers up and shit. Now, he became an assassin. Now, what was his shit? He would just shoot people, or would he, like, karate them the fuck up? Well, early- I mean, I doubt he karate chopped them to death, so I'm, I'm sure he shot them the fuck up,
1: but, like... Well, early on, he started off shooting guys. Like, the first couple guys he shot, so, like, when he made his bones, he just rolled up, jumped out of his car, shot the guy, and got back in the car and went. Tommy Salerno, he shot him in the car, so he's doing typical mob <laughs> the shit. The classics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Willie Boy, they wandered it in the street... They wanted John Gotti want him dead in the street, mm. so they shot him up, and, they, and John Gotti wanted him shot in the head.
2: Is that, Hey, we hear you're uh, good at making
1: examples, but as we move on, he will slowly get more creative with his uh. his murder method.
2: Oh man, I can't
1: wait. <laughs> so Tommy bought two bars, and one of them he was running his operations out of, and it was a bar called Just Us, and it was. A mob only bar. And what he would do is, if anybody came in that wasn't a connected guy, he would charge them $10 for a beer. And if they didn't leave, he would charge them more every time uh, until yeah. they finally left.
2: <laughs> Catch the hint, bucko.
1: Right, so you go in and get a beer, and they're like 10 bucks. And you're like, oh shit, all right, give me another one, like 20 bucks yeah and back then, oh <laughs> yes, I mean,
2: that's, that's a
3: clear message back then, like go like <laughs> beers were like a quarter <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was gonna say
2: ten bucks for a beer. that's ridiculous nowadays yeah, back right then, now it was like ten grand for a beer
1: that that's twenty twenty strip club prices right yeah. there yeah, it
2: seemed like a missed opportunity to change his nickname
3: to Tommy Two bars, too. Tommy Two that's good. You know what I mean? It's like, better than Tommy Karate.
2: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bit, like he's bit, great. He's he's done karate and he's, he's
1: shooting people nowadays. So, well, Tommy Two bars is actually a good nickname. That's the problem is none of them ever have good nicknames. Right, right, well, yeah.
2: let's be honest. There is good chance the there already is a Tommy Two bars. True.
1: Yeah. What the? What the? And and he doesn't have two bars. <laughs> or there's a time he's he three bars. The two bars.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> there's a time he three bars. He's like, ah, what's the point?
1: Yeah. He, he beat up a guy with a bar in each hand. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go.
2: <laughs> well, when bars. you first say he bought two bars, I was thinking like, oh, is that like ninja weapons? What's he doing?
1: No, two actual establishments. Nice. Two saloons. An entrepreneur. Now his wife Carol. Everything that he liked, she didn't. So she wasn't <laughs> cool. Like. So she was his high Typical school sweetheart. She was his high school sweetheart. So she was down like she married this guy. But then as he turned into a big drug dealer and a killer and then a man that was feared on the streets, all of a sudden she, she wasn't cool with that.
2: <laughs> you knew I was into karate. You <laughs> knew this when
1: we met. Carol couldn't deal with the lifestyle and she divorced him.
2: But that's, then- <laughs> that's one real quick. That's just one thing that happens in the mob all the time. Like, what do these women think when they start dating a dude in the mob? It's either don't start dating a dude in the mob or quickly become accustomed, this dude's going to do mob shit. That's just
3: like in any profession, though. It's like a girl dating a rapper and be like, you know, oh, it's exciting at first, but then after a while, be like, are you going to continue doing that rap shit, like... (laughs) Why don't you get a real fucking job?
2: we at least. I, I, I met you backstage. Yeah, I met you, you, yeah I met you at a fucking show. What but are you see, talking about? That's at least so. Like, when you rap, you you can't. If you one day be like, hey, I don't know if I want to rap anymore, you can outgrow it. Like, when you're in the <laughs> you mob, like, yeah, yeah. I shoot people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's kind of
1: my move. Yeah. It's kind of my thing, You're you kind
2: of down with it, yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, you, know? Know? you ain't. Like... No. That's craziness when—and that's, like, a common thing with, like—once again, I'm going back to just mob movies that I've seen. Like, what the fuck is Sharon Stone's problem? Robert De Niro's sweet—but, like, every, like, a mob—like, another fictional one, Carmella from The Sopranos. Like, I hated her every single—like, you marry Tony Soprano, you dumb yeah. bitch. You didn't think he's going to fuck hookers
1: and stab people in the face? Well, I mean, maybe he was a real sweetheart. I said, look, I don't always shoot people. Sometimes I just sell heroin. Yeah, I you mean, know, you know. I'm, not, I'm not always fucking like, a horrible on. human. It's yeah, unreasonable. reasonable.
2: I, I mean, I really don't understand. Sometimes I only
1: poison the community. Yeah. It's not all murders and karate yeah. kicks. I mean, like,
3: come
2: on. That is funny, though, and that's
3: uh, that's just an old complaint that just, it was old then. It's, it's still old now. It just doesn't make sense. It's yeah. like, you
2: married into it. You knew what was going on before you came in. I mean, it's the whole live by the sword, die by the sword. If you married into it, you should still know that's the rule. That's or think anything, whenever people... I don't know, it's just... Yeah, people get mad when tigers do tiger shit. Right, It's exactly. a tiger. Exactly. 100%.
1: So, a- after Carol divorced him, he met a lady named Celeste Lepardi, who was a Brooklyn socialite, and she was very down with the mob life. She was all about that shit. A lot of people say... Like if she was if she was a dude, that she probably would have been a mobster or something. But she was a uh, like a real party girl. She liked to la party. Everybody said that like she was a fucking uh, like real hot and stuff like that. I seen a picture. She kind of just looks like a regular chick. But then again, it is old. You know, like it's a mob back- seven. <laughs> she's a mob
3: five. Right? Well, I mean, but that's a grave. <laughs> no, she's a mob ten. I was gonna say she's that's like a, a gra- regular six. A
1: regular six would be a gravesend ten.
3: Be like once you take all the hairspray out and her hair is only like six inches off the top of her head, then it's not so loud. Yeah, they like their own style. Like, it's
1: a, uh, it's uh, like the mafia version of uh, uh "I'm gonna get you, sucker." When the lady starts taking oh, off yeah, her hair yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and her leg and shit, prosthetic leg. Like
2: she's wearing three different kinds of cheetah print. <laughs> she's wonderful.
1: And about the same time that he met Celeste, he also met a low-level associate named Frank Gange, who he kind of took under his wing the way Bruno had kind of took him under his wing and kind of made him, you know, his understudy or whatever. His apprentice. All right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead, we're going to take a quick smoke break, refill our drinks. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks for listening. Just real quick, want to ask you to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show. If you have any questions, comments, or a guy that you would recommend we cover, you can email us at sayhello to the bad guy podcast at gmail.com. We also want to thank Sixfo Sueno for letting us use his music in the intro. You can subscribe to him on YouTube and also a friend of the show, Cancer. He's got an art, photography, and graphic design page at Eyes Bleed Defiance on Instagram. You can see a lot of his work, including our cover art, which he designed. And he also performed the mid-show song, Blood, from his album, Grenades, Pistols, and Rape Whistles. Now back to the show. Now that Tommy had a new old lady and a new dude under his tutelage, he was back on track. June 1987, Tommy decided he wanted to show Frank Gangey the ropes. So he goes and picks him up one day and says, "Take a ride with me." And Frank says, "He th- he said he thought they were going to get coffee." Mm-hmm. They stop by one of the other crew members' house. They pick up plastic bags, a suitcase, a hacksaw, a gun, and a silencer
3: for coffee. Yeah, for coffee. Yeah, yeah just some coffee. How do you get coffee? I mean,
1: <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> that's how I get coffee, but I'm a serial killer, so. So, uh, they go to the apartment of a guy named Talal Sissick, who was a Middle Eastern drug dealer, and Tommy just had a feeling he was an informant. And
2: okay. <laughs> It's a weird feeling, just, yeah, I got a feeling. He talks funny It
1: right? wasn't, wasn't because he was Middle Eastern that they thought <laughs> No, he was yeah. not at all <laughs> oh, okay.
3: not yeah, at, no. It could, couldn't be in like, nah, I mean,
1: a very so, diverse, diverse neighborhood Tommy shot him twice in the head The point bank range He told Frank, I'm going to show you how we get In my crew, this is how we dispose bodies wow. So he took Talal's body Threw him in the tub And turned on the water to drain the blood down Tommy took off all his clothes, fold them up real neat, and put them his off to the side. His own clothes
3: or the... His the, own clothes. Oh, okay.
1: So he took off his own clothes, folded them off, put them to the side, got in the tub with the body, and used the hacksaw to cut it into six pieces. He always went with six pieces. Head, torso, both arms, both legs.
2: This right. story could have went a thousand different ways.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Depending it, on your Pornhub search it's history. It's not very when you go, so he started chopping up the body. Thank God. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... Then I'm going to show you what we
3: do
1: to these bodies. He yeah, re- that was the least creepy solution. Or the least <laughs> creepy uh, outcome. <laughs> Hacks on a body while you're naked in the tub with it is still fairly creepy. Oh,
2: no, it is, but. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to hack up a business. body, how do you do it? You know what I mean? Well, like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were asking See, the question. It, it sounds like uh, he didn't really think this guy was a snitch at all. He just wanted to do the exam. He just wanted to show a homeboy how, what they do with uh, bodies.
1: Well, I mean, he did that with the guy earlier, right? Where he's like, look, yeah. I'm I'm looking to kill one of you, so the first one to slip up. Yeah. See,
2: this was so funny. He's a sociopath. Like, it's just... Ah, oh, today in class we're just gonna teach this dude something. Like the Talal guy wasn't even a part. he's just a reason. Like, ah, oh, I gotta teach my student this. Just shut up, Talal. You'll be all right.
1: Yeah, just, yeah it'll just be okay. it Just Jake go along it. with it. Yeah. yeah. After, after the he waits till all the blood drain, wrap up the body parts in plastic, and then cram them all into one suitcase. Then stay in the tub, take a shower, and then get back. Take his unfolded clothes and get back dressed. So did Frank have to watch all of that? Or did he get to go in the other room while I took the
3: shower? <laughs> he,
2: he, watched, he watched him undress. He was like, I once. got everything but the shower part. Can
1: you do that again?
2: Well, he had to do everything twice because Frank kept on asking him slower. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Frank actually had an issue with the body part. So at one point, Tommy told him just go get the car around. And Frank went uh, and got a bottle of liquor and slammed it. To get the car around to just because he's hell, like, yeah. fuck, dude. Yeah. And then, so when Tommy was done. It's a rough day at work. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's
3: what God damn,
2: I'm saying? Goddamn, I thought we were
1: getting coffee. Yeah, I thought we were getting coffee today. Maybe beat up some people. And once he had the bodies killed and in the suitcase and wrapped up how he wanted, he fucking unfolded his clothes, put them back on. And they, they would go to eat at uh L and b Spamoni Gardens, which is a pizza spot in Brooklyn. I actually been there. I haven't been i barely been to Brooklyn and I would be before I even no heard way. this story. Awesome. I've been there. It's cool. It's not like uh New York style pizza. Like okay. a fold in long. It's like more like Detroit pizza, like square. it's like square okay. thick crust pizza and shit. Yeah. Word. I would have enjoyed it more when I was there. I mean I still took my picture next to like the Sopranos dudes, but I was <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey where's the Toddy where's the Tommy, Tommy Karate yeah, spot? Yeah,
3: I want Tommy Karate's booth. <laughs>
2: Uh, once he died we karate chopped it in half nobody gets to sit in that booth you're like nah it's that suitcase over
3: there but you gotta sit in it naked
2: (laughs) (laughs) no matter what
1: is involved you gotta get naked at some (laughs) point in this process
2: well Uh, I mean old Frank fuck it like we said uh, his old lady like it's the mob life. You don't want to... You yeah. don't want to chop up bodies. You better get the fuck on.
1: I mean, he knew you were hanging out with Tommy Karate, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you knew his reputation. What do you think was going to happen? You yeah. guys are just going to keep going to get coffee?
2: For sure. He was like, man... He told his wife when he left, "I'm going to get coffee with Tommy Curry." All right, you can end up
1: chopping somebody up though. (laughs) Yeah, no, he would bury all of his bodies at the Davis Wildlife Refuge in Staten Island because it was federally protected. So the thing that these mobsters always worry about when they dig up bodies is that land gets developed, right? And they bring in the construction crews, and that's when they find them for sure. So since it was federally protected, he knew it could never be. They could never do construction, and then it had like those. Uh, swampy, like, soil, so it was easier to dig. Wow. And he liked to dig his holes extra deep so that, like, the dogs couldn't find (laughs) them. And he also thought, like, the super wet soil would help, like, decay the bodies faster. Makes sense.
2: This is what's so great. Like, earlier, we can just make fun of meathead Italians, and we do it a lot, but, like, they know they're, like... The mob didn't get rich by being just dummies. Like they you know the last people we did were some bikers, they just threw bodies in the river. Like that was their shit. <laughs> yeah. Like these people knew federal land, like the mobs were as much as just being dumb meatheads and shit, like they knew their shit.
1: They're they're good at their job. <laughs> but you, yeah. you don't start a giant criminal enterprise. Right. Exactly.
2: I <laughs> may not be a smart man, but I know how to hide a body.
1: 100%. So, um, his old lady, Celeste, her social life eventually led to drug addiction. And Tommy,
2: Oh, Celeste, that's the name of a mobster's <laughs> girlfriend.
1: He, Tommy hated drugs because he sold drugs. So he liked to kill drug dealers and beat them up, and, or like okay. people that did drugs. He never did drugs, he just sold them. All and he's right. seen what drugs would do, so he fucking hated them.
2: What a purist. Whatever, don't get high in your own supply. <laughs> he lived
1: it. And that's why he was good at it, maybe, because he yeah. didn't do the drugs. Well, I'm sure. sure. He he told her not to do it. And he haven't, even went so far he'd go personally tell dealers, do not sell Celeste drugs. If you see Celeste, it, do not yeah. sell the drugs.
2: Or I'll. So, Kill you. i so I made the reference earlier, but this bitch is Sharon Stone in Casino.
1: Yeah, even though people wouldn't sell her drugs, her best friend Phyllis Birdie would supply the drugs to her.
2: And Tommy says <laughs> Phyllis said, Birdie, that bitch Shaka. is gonna sing, shocker. <laughs> She's gonna snitch. I already caught Phyllis Birdie. Oh, that's definitely a snitch. That sounds name. like
1: the name of someone that's gonna tattle. Yeah, a little oh, bit. Yeah. He, they weren't supposed to hang out, but whenever Tommy wasn't around, Celeste would go hang out with Phyllis, anyways. <laughs> now, now, one time on September 10th, 1987, Phyllis and Celeste went out partying all night and doing coke all day. When she got back to the house, her she went back to Phyllis's apartment, and since she'd been doing so much coke all night, she couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> that seems so <tends> to happen. <laughs> So she figured she'd take a little heroin to fucking take the edge off and help her sleep. I
2: mean, the All logic right. checks out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good old speed Did she invent the speedball? <laughs> the speedball? This whole story's been a diversion. We're just learning <laughs> yeah, about the invention of the speedball. the history
1: of the speedball. Well, as speedballs tend to do, she didn't make it. Right. Well, you know. Say it
2: ain't so. Celeste, who's a grown-ass woman who is forbidden to hang out from another grown-ass woman because they don't know how to act.
1: So that means Bertie's probably not going to make it either. Phyllis Bertie sometimes fucked around with Frank Ganji, and they would hang out sometimes. Uh,
3: okay.
1: So Frank Ganji was the first one to find out that Celeste had died. So he had to tell Tommy she's dead. Oh, Tommy's gonna be pissed. He's not gonna like that. Well, And people say, like, as psychopathic and as fucked up as Tommy, people say that he may have been a sociopath or a bunch of things, but that he could never be a true psychopath because everybody says it seems like he truly loves Celeste.
3: Oh, god. Which
1: psychopaths can't really do. Right. So, you know, he could be a high-end sociopath, Mm -hmm. but he really seemed to fucking dig Celeste. So Frank had to tell her, or tell Mm -hmm. him, that Celeste was dead. And when Tommy showed up, Tommy showed up and she was already dead at Phyllis's apartment and the cops were already there and he smacked the shit out of Phyllis in front of the cops <laughs> and Jeez. the cops had to throw him out. They didn't arrest him. It's probably like you were talking about earlier. That's that back in the day, small neighborhood shit. They're like, They're hey, like, hey, I don't condone it, but I understand.
2: Hey, whatever. Not me,
3: them. i Well, right. I'm you know, yeah. They're <laughs> like, hey, that's <laughs> what they said. <laughs> but
2: I mean, I, I get like, I told you not to hang out with her now. she already smacked. Yeah. Like, Whatever he spit, lucky you didn't get karate chopped to the throat. Yeah, it could
3: have been way worse.
1: <laughs> so Tommy put like an APB out. So everybody's got to find Phyllis Birdie. Find Phyllis. Find Phyllis Birdie and bring her to me. Also, oh, she flew the coop. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, th- no, I think we should just specifically just sit here and see how many <laughs> burger fucking bird puns we could
2: do. <laughs> yeah. So Tommy sent out all the messenger pigeons.
1: Oh man. They're getting worse. We should wrap it up before yeah. we just oh. just sliding slow. He better yeah, we should her put her this in a cage.
2: <laughs> yeah. He better get her before the cops do. She's going to sing like a canary. There you
1: go. So one day, Frank Ganges at a bar, and he sees Phyllis Birdie. And he's like, hey. Birds of a feather. So you should probably get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Tommy's going to kill you. And Phyllis Birdie's like, oh, I'm not going to leave or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just Tommy. <laughs> right. He's it's just the-
3: murdered a bunch of fucking people. I, I, can deal, I can deal with
2: well, him. In all fairness, Phyllis is probably bigger than him.
1: I haven't mm-hmm. seen a picture, but I'm gonna have to say you're <laughs> probably right. Some people think that the reason she didn't leave was she thought, like, the mob thing, they're not supposed to kill women or whatever. Ah. Uh, but I think she was just a, a, a crazy person, really. I mean, it sounds like she's
2: just a like go cord and she's like, fuck it, fuck Tommy, I'll get her hair out of here if I want to here, fuck him.
1: I think that's a quote. Phyllis Birdie I mean, said that. Yeah, like that's, what, she, that. that's what that. That's what's
2: in your notes. <laughs> or maybe she wanted to die because uh, her and her best friend, like her best friend, OD'd with her. She said, I'm just a cokehead. Just yeah, she me. probably just didn't take him. Yeah. She didn't. She thought she was safe. Probably like you
3: said, the whole. Uh, she just thought man, wouldn't yeah, mess yeah. with a woman.
2: I mean, I can't get into the mind of a coke whore. That's God's work. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Not only that, you would think like, okay, if they were trying to be, uh, if we're going to get movie on it, then Frank would have to kill her. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the movie version, Frank would be the one they'd be like, Okay, well, you wanna prove your loyalty to
2: us, you gotta kill her. Oh, he's already halfway through sipping that fifth in preparation. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. fuck
1: her and Ganji went back to his apartment and uh they just did coke and fucked for two days. And right. <laughs> I mean, said, that's,
2: that's one way to do it, that's an option.
1: So Ganji said he thinks at one of the mornings they went back out to get more Coke. He thinks somebody at the Coke spot was one of Tommy's guys Uh, that seen him there. And the next morning when he woke up, Tommy called him. So he's sitting in his house, and he's got Phyllis in the other room, and he answers the phone, and it was Tommy. And he said he knows Tommy's a smart guy, and he feels like if he's calling, he's got to know something. Right. So he said, hey, Tommy, I got her. So I got her here for you. Oh, man. (laughs) So Tommy shows up, and he shot Phyllis twice in the head, dismembered her body like the typical style. Naked. She's the only body that he buried five pieces of.
2: <laughs> Once again, that was a very <laughs> weird pause. That could have went a hundred different ways. That was the only body that,
1: uh
2: Five pieces?
1: Well, he kept her head in his freezer for two years.
3: Well, I mean, you know, that's... As one well, is apt to standard. do. standard. Yeah, that'll wow. happen. That'll happen. Um, but so I mean, don't do serial killers because it's too dark, huh? He's right.
2: So yeah, straight up.
1: So he <laughs> so, okay. keep her dick in a jar two? <laughs> eh. After that, Tommy actually like appreciated Frankie or Frank Gangi. Like that became like his right hand man. He was like, "Fuck yeah, if I could trust one person, I mean, you it's give a Frank guy, Gangi. you give him credit for seizing an opportunity." <laughs> he's like, "Egg, <laughs> I mean, really, that's quick on his feet." You're like, what but else you gonna do? Like, fuck it, I got her for you.
3: Clearly, he wasn't in, in, as in love with her
1: as Tommy was, was with, with Celeste. Celeste. Yeah. Mm. Tommy was never the same after that. People said he went from, well, they went from he went from scary to dark. So he's always a scary dude, but he got to a point where... Well, he does have a head in his freezer. Right. <laughs> well, and even, like, his own crew, like, people wouldn't leave or people wouldn't go anywhere because they were afraid of him, not because they were down with him anymore. They're just like, fuck, what is, oh, wow. what is Tommy going to do? You got to be on the watch out. Emo Tommy's going to get you. And Damn, he went full Joker. Like, less than a month later, he stabbed a guy named uh, Merrick Kucharski. Uh, he stabbed him to death in a disagreement over money. And then. Why
2: would you disagree with Tommy?
1: Like, whatever. Less than
2: a month after, like, his old lady Odine and he chopped off his other. Like, you don't mess with Tommy about money right now. Yeah,
1: just give him what he's asking yeah, for. Yeah, give him what he wants. Uh, he killed another one of his crew members, uh, Joseph Balsano, who he thought was uh, snitching. He stabbed him with an ice pick, shot him in the head, and slit his throat. That's it? <laughs>
2: I mean, he makes sure the job's done. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, man. Um,
1: on March 15th, 1989, two more of his crew members, uh, Richard Leone and Solomon Stern, he thought they were informants, and he called, him, he called them to one of his clubs, and they came up because everybody's afraid of Tommy, so they're like, oh, fuck, we better go see what's going on. Oh, man. He-, he tortured them both. He shot Richard Leone so many times. You, you know the cowboy thing where they shoot at your feet to make you dance? Yeah. He was doing that. But instead of shooting at his feet, he was just shooting them on the left and right side <laughs> just to make them, like, fall back and forth. I told you, cha-cha! <laughs> man. I don't think that's how the cowboy dance thing works. No, but no, that's See, not, no.
2: that's just lazy killing. You it's just want to kill people, but you're just going to do people in your own crew. Like, go what, kill other people, Tommy. What was the name of the other guy? Solomon what? Solomon Stern. That's another great fucking
3: name, God, man. Solomon Stern. Stern. That's a, that's a gangster. That's a, that's a great
1: name, Solomon Stern. They called him Jib Jib. <laughs> jib Jib. <laughs> that was his call name. Trip Trip. Well, with yeah. the alliteration, that's that would be like the real name of a Marvel, like yeah, a, a Marvel 100%. character's alias. Yeah, 100%. Solomon
3: Stern. Stan Lee's fucking spinning in his grave, like why didn't I think of Solomon? Stern? <laughs> Fuck,
1: why didn't I get that one? That is a great <laughs> name. So, April 1990. Frank Ganji was arrested for drinking and driving. So he was looking at very little time, possibly (laughs) a ticket. Yeah, back then. (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) was a slap on the wrist for sure. But he opted. Now, what he says is when he was sitting in the cell, and I guess some of it probably checks out because he wasn't facing much time. And he said he was sitting there and he just couldn't handle, like, he came from kind of a mob family, had been around it his whole life. But he's kind of like, man, this is some next level kind of gross shit. Oh, okay, yeah. You know? He called in a detective and snitched on—he confessed to five murders and snitched on Tommy Karate.
2: For drunk driving?
1: For drunk driving,
2: yeah. Just fucking—
1: idiot. Um, so, we were talking earlier about fucking doing three years for this yeah, or mean, like, drug time. Drug or, driving, like, you could have 20 like, of them
2: back then. Hey, uh, you want to blow in this? All right, kill five people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you
3: want Tommy Karate? <laughs> I yeah. got him. I'll give you Tommy Karate. I'll give you John Gotti. <laughs> like, so it's just ABC- a ticket, sir. It's <laughs> a parking ticket. <laughs> I got John Gotti. There's <laughs>
1: some neighborhood cop, like, hey, you don't
2: want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be like, listen, guy. <laughs> so, your ABC's backward. Z, Y. He got that bitch and his freezer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I mean, like... It, oh, see, God. this is what's bad about the mob, too. They need to have a better chain of command. Because if there was a way Frank could have just went to Tommy Karate's boss and just be like, hey, man, there's an issue here. <laughs> but they don't do that. If he would have done that, that guy would have just went to Tommy Karate. Hey, you know, you got uh, your people working under you uh, aren't happy with you. Like, there's no way for him to... So it's either I dry snitch on Tommy or eventually he's going to shoot me in the head. Which goes back to, like, the first rule being in the mob or being a biker, being in a gang or anything is you're supposed to be the family. Take it. As soon as you start right. cannibalizing your own, then it's all done for.
3: Well, not only that, but, like, when are you going to prove yourself? If, if you have to kill one person in order to prove yourself, after you've killed five, it's generally, uh, you know, it, nobody has to worry about you, Right. Especially Especially for just getting pulled over <laughs> for drunk driving, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just yeah. Like you, well, that, you that's why you shit on your the, trust.
1: That's why you have him make your bones, yes, so that exactly. you know you can trust this guy. We're to
2: step, take a step back, and just build the narrative. Maybe, like you said, he was in that neighbor. I mean, when you're from these neighborhoods, you got no choice. If he was raised in that neighborhood, then it's like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna have to be against you. And the fact that his first kill, he, like, went out, got drunk and all this shit. Like, he probably just weren't built for this shit. But because it's all he knew, he was he stuck, stuck in this around. shit. Yep. And what, so, what else am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. From yeah. the very beginning, he wasn't built for this shit. And it finally probably just came to a head where he was like, ah, I don't know. So, what like the-. you
3: said, he would have confessed to anyone. He was just waiting for the opportunity to, to tell somebody, somebody, catch yeah, me, please. somebody
2: please, I got to get this off my shoulders. I mean, this is the whole problem with uh, the whole... Well, I mean, I'm not in the mob, so I don't know if it's the problem, but. But that's the problem with the whole made man thing is like he's got no choice. He can't go nowhere to mm-hmm. be like, hey, this guy's a dick. There's a almost like Robert De Niro in Casino. I don't know why I keep on a- to <laughs> that fucking movie. But like Joe Pesci, that dude Tommy, he There's was no one.
1: You can't yeah, tell on he him he was
2: going. And Robert De Niro even said like he went to the people above Tommy. And be like, yeah, this guy's kind of reckless. Like, yeah, he's a made man. What are you gonna yeah, do? Yeah, like, fuck it. So they dry
1: snitch. So on June 3rd, 1990, while Tommy was sitting at a traffic light, the DEA agents crashed into his car, they dragged him out of the car, threw him face first, and arrested him. Damn, they were fucking
2: around. Well, they
1: said he was always known to be heavily—they yeah, were scared they he of him. Yeah, was dangerous. Yeah, and he was a scary guy. So they actually came up with that plan on the fly. They had followed him, and they were pulling up to him. When he's at the light, they were like, Look, if we just walk up on him, he's going to—so he's yeah. like, dude, I'm going to crash into him. And then you guys no get sense. them.
2: No, they're gonna say it's all played all the heavens, and one dude was in the driver's seat, all pumped up. Do, 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 do. Get yeah. this. The guy's in shocking. like, hey, we're coming up on him. Hey, you gonna slow down? You're Whiskey gonna, throttle. You can yeah. hit no. those brakes? You know the America! And then <laughs> he just crashes gender. into him like, son of a bitch. I thought we were going for coffee.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, again. So when they arrested him, they had to they searched the Davis Wildlife Refuge for they spent two days. With dogs and the equipment and everything they could use, and they couldn't come up with anything. So then they spent another two days, they came up with the idea to take, like, giant poles, mm-hmm. like seven-foot poles, and walk shoulder to shoulder, and every couple of feet, put uh. the pole down into the ground. They did that for four days. <laughs> <And> they eventually <laughs> pulled up six bodies, which included Phyllis Birdie, Mary Kucharski, Richard Leone, Solomon Stern, and Talal Sisik. Wow. They were all cut up into pieces in uh, suitcases under the ground. (laughs) At least he went
2: fancy. Like, none are in garbage bags. (laughs) They are all in suitcases. That's
1: his style. He was particular. When they they searched his house, they found 60 firearms and then, like, a bunch of books on anatomy and shit like that, like anatomy and surgery. And he had pieces of jewelry or pieces of something from everybody he killed, which they all said— they never see that. That's a serial killer trait, and they've never seen that like for mobsters. Trophy? Mobsters don't do that shit. Typically. Yeah,
2: this guy seems very serial killer esque. Three French hens, two turtle
1: doves, and a birdie <laughs> head yeah. in the freezer.
2: Yeah. As soon as you start straight. taking trophies and shit, like uh, yeah. Yeah, that
1: that is different. Now, what year is this again? Uh, he got caught in 1990. Oh, okay. So yeah. he ripped through the 80s mostly. This is 1990. Okay. They charged him with a bunch of charge, a uh, bunch of drug charges, and seven murders. He, end, he ended up, he was convicted of everything but the Willie Boy Johnson murder. They convicted him on the uh. drug charges. So he beat a rap. He beat, we have one of them. See,
2: still to this day, Indians can't get no justice. And that one,
1: <laughs> and that, oh, well, I'll let you finish because I don't know where he ends up. At one point when Frank Gangi was testifying and he was talking about the Phyllis Birdie murder and he started crying, so the judge called a break, and when they went to break in session in court, Tommy Karate told him, "Are you happy with yourself, you fucking crybaby?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking happy. Well, I'm thinking about that too. Like, dude, you fuck this dumb coke whore. I got, in the, like, got these other things. Like, you're crying over. Her.
1: I see all kinds of stupid quotes in this stuff, and that's yeah. kind of the funniest shit. Like, that, in that's court, funny. Like, you fucking yeah. cry, baby. Because, I mean,
2: this guy
3: sounded like he was... I mean, I don't want to say he's weak, because I don't know if I'm going to stand around while somebody's chopping up somebody else's body. But then again, I wasn't born into this shit. This was like, he's weak for so mobsters. It just sounds... Yeah, it sounds like he was never cut out for this shit from the get-go.
2: Yeah, he and, just uh, was in that neighborhood. He got caught up.
1: Yeah. So, he ended up getting... At one point, they're going to try the death penalty. He asked some of the DEA agents that arrested him, the guy that crashed into his car, they asked him, he said, so if, they, if I get the death penalty, how they kill me? And they said, well, we'll do a lethal injection. And he said, why can't we just have this guy shoot me? <laughs> 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 I, oh, now you're not afraid of violence, you <laughs> right. pussy. He got, he got off the death uh, sentence, though. So he just ended up doing life in prison. He was convicted to life and he is still alive today doing his time in Allenwood, Pennsylvania.
2: Oh Damn. All right. so I can write him a letter. <laughs> Indeed. He's, he's in his self shadow boxing right now. All right, Tommy Karate a letter. See that just goes to prove he didn't do karate since he was like twenty he like was straight chopping people up, stabbing people, like shooting people in the face. But still, he's Tommy Karate. Like damn, you, fucking karate chop someone one time when you're
1: 20. That, <laughs> that name just like those six. nicknames stick, man. Uh, yeah. So that's the story of Thomas Tommy Karate Patera. So say
0: good night to the bad guy. Come on. The last time you're gonna see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> Tommy Karate is great. Now we got to cast it. So while I was telling the story, we haven't seen a picture of him yet. So, say we're going to cast a movie right now about Tommy Karate. And I have the pictures. So, if you have a pre-guest before we could do it, who would you pick, to, who would you cast to play Thomas Patera in a movie about his life?
2: I'm going to go crazy, see. and I'm going to go little Tom Holland. I'm going to go Spider-Man. just Little okay. little dude.
3: Old Tom Holland.
2: I can see him ch- jumping around, chopping people, being pissy. Let's see. I would say either,
3: hmm, yeah, that's a tough one. Because I can think of like is fighters and wrestlers. Uh, a, <laughs> I'm just like trying to CM Punk, and <laughs> like I'm, young
0: I'm, CM Punk and shit. I'm trying to
2: think of tiny people that can play like psychotic, but still be little, but still be like, oh, I don't want to punch this guy. Like a young Joey or a young uh, Joe Pesci, like someone that like. You yeah. just look at him like, I want to fight this dude, but he's still.
3: It um, seems like something that Joseph Gordon Levitt would want to make for himself
1: <laughs> and make himself star in it. But it would fuck it up and it'd be like the new Gotti movie. Yeah, like it's the Nest zero on Rotten exactly. Tomatoes movie. Like, or even like Zach Efron you know, trying to play Ted no, Bundy. Go you know fucking Shire LaBeouf. Shia, Shia LaBeouf. I, anytime it's a smaller, crazy guy, I always tend to go with Ben Foster. So yeah. I know. Yep. But ben see, Foster, I don't know. Ben
2: sure. Foster is probably.
3: Bigger, he probably aged out probably too.
1: Well, here's the pictures of Tommy Karate. So, oh, good god, now this is him. You can see his face is smashed in from (laughs) when they arrested him. All right, what's these are pictures of him and Celeste?
2: What's the name of the pug that played Frank in Men in Black? That's where that (laughs) played him.
3: Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, that's um. Yeah, I can't think of anybody. Uh, Young James Gandolfini would have probably played him. Or his son now, who's
2: playing him. You know what? I can't think of his name, but he played uh, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. And he's been in a bunch of shit. He's he's an English actor.
1: Well, who I was thinking of, and we can't do it, but if we could pick of all time, because he's passed away. But have you guys ever seen the movie Best of the Best?
3: Best of oh the best. Oh, yeah. The karate. karate. Eric, yeah, I think yeah. Chris Eric Penn. Eric Roberts. Chris, Chris Penn. Chris okay. Penn yep. from. Yeah, uh, I Chris played. Penn. Chris Penn could play him. I mean, Chris Penn does the crazy gangster he thing. He too small and wiry, though. He's he doesn't. That's weird.
1: He looks more stocky. Yeah.
3: yeah. He looks like uh, in Snatch. He looks like Tommy from Snatch.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. I think that's the guy. I think that's the same dude. Oh probably. Yep, that is, that is him. His name is Stephen out, really? Graham. Yeah, yep,
1: there you go. I didn't know who it was, but as soon as yeah.
2: you said that I put that together. Yep, absolutely. It, this dude, Stephen Graham. Yep, Stephen that's Stephen Graham. Yep. Yeah, that's him. Yep, Tommy from See, and I knew he was in I always think of him Al awesome. from that, but yeah, Tommy from American So Patch.
1: what's it what was his name? Uh, Stephen Graham.
2: Graham. Graham. So we're
1: going to take Stephen Graham. We're going to get him with uh, Anderson Silva as a technical advisor. (laughs) and We're (laughs) going to do this bitch right and get him out there. Now, I got to show you these because these are my favorite pictures that I found of Tommy Karate now that he's in uh, prison. yeah. So there's Tommy Karate doing the splits in prison. (laughs) And there's Tommy Karate. He's a a big man in
2: that picture, too. Like, he's doing the splits, but... His upper body sitting on a couch. Good
1: yeah. lord! And he's an older guy, and he's still so. I mean, he he was real on his karate shit.
2: Well, I mean, he's yeah. in prison now. Like I, I mean, bet I'm you, sure he's that comes just, in handy. yeah. I'm sure he's just doing karate like <laughs> all day now. Or just the shit.
3: doing the splits all day. Well, yeah. or, or splitting
2: <laughs> something all day. When he's not when he's not
1: slicing his garlic really really thin <laughs> with a razor. I'm I'm assuming Tommy Karate probably doesn't stress in prison a lot. <laughs> like he probably probably
3: not, especially since the no. one that he wasn't convicted of was that uh, the Willie Boy Johnson. That, yeah, the Willie Boy Johnson. So that probably got him a lot of uh, a lot of coverage in there.
1: I don't know, but I mean, seems like it would. I really like the picture after telling that whole, hearing that whole story of him with two pictures he painted of hummingbirds.
3: <sighs> of course, man, all all horrible criminals love to paint cute shit like George <laughs> that W. Bush. Seems to be it. George W. Bush <laughs> yeah. and fucking Scotty uh, Tommy Karate.
1: So early earlier you said uh, so I could write him a letter. You could buy his art. Uh, there
3: you, you could buy some. Does, Tommy does Karate the, uh, art. do the proceeds go to like um, charity or <laughs> like or they they go to commissary. Phyllis Birdies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> No,
3: the, the I'm charity not goes this guy towards ramen. <laughs> no, it
2: goes towards karate lessons for <laughs> inner city youths. <utes. laughs>
3: He's gonna really, like, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna support his uh, chili lime ramen <laughs> fucking uh, what? addiction.
2: What the hell's going on here, though? How does his head get misshapen?
1: Uh, these because they're bad prison pictures, so they're just stretched out different for the fucking uh <laughs> to be able to put in the format. So I'm just <laughs> to that's that's a so there's, rough ass there's prison. Two
3: pictures of him stretched out different.
1: Yeah, <laughs> 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 ones with his legs
3: and ones with his face. He stretches his head. You of course, that? he paints hummingbirds. Of course, he does. <laughs> of course, he does. All right, so now... Guy keeps a head in his freezer for two years. Hummingbirds were in (laughs) Phyllis' head. How adorable. He paints hummingbirds.
2: (laughs) He names them all Phyllis.
1: (laughs) Every (laughs) single one. All right, Uh, so now we got to do the DEFCON scale. So standard DEFCON scale is a scale of five to one. Right. With five being the lowest, one being the highest. Now, it's important to note that on this one, none of these guys are good guys. You know, they're all bad guys. Right. So number five is Lee Murray... You know, you're crack dealing, kidnapping, armed robber. Okay. Number one is your Purple Gang, where you're doing multiple massacres and you're murdering people in the street and, you know, going to war regular. So, on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where do you rank Tommy Karate? I guess we could put it out to the field.
2: I mean, for me, I'm going between a one and a two. He doesn't quite have the numbers up there, like, killing people in the street. But he definitely was not afraid to kill. He made he loved making examples of each other. And, I mean, just as a person, he was psychotic. He chopped off heads and shit. Like, he really seemed to not have too much emotions except for the girl Celeste. But even that, who knows, that could have been a weird tormented in his brain. Like, that's his property, sort of a weird Joker Harley Quinn love situation. So, who even knows? But, yeah, I mean... He was definitely a straight-up fucking killer. So I want to go one, but his numbers weren't... See, for me, a killer is someone who just kills willy-nilly, just wants to kill. And it seemed like he kept himself in check for the most part. Even the people they killed, he thought they were snitching and shit. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to go with a two just strictly because I feel like you could be around him without having to worry. At least at one point.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, before before things got dark. Before 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 Celeste died. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I want to go one, but for some reason, I don't know if his numbers are up there that make me... Like, I want to keep number one for, like you said, like the purple game. Like, people do the massacres, like those sort of people. So I don't think I want to go... I'll give him two. Yeah, I'm in I'm the same logic. I mean, figure I, w- I
3: would probably even have had him at three if, if he hadn't stored a head in his freezer for two years. Like yeah. That, that clearly showed an escalation and a change of what his whole entire behavior was that it just kind of. Um, I, I don't know if he would have even done more uh, if he hadn't have been. Co- I mean, if, it stands to reason that if he wouldn't have been caught, then he would have continued to do what he was doing. So, but yeah, I, I, I put him at a two just because. Um, Yeah, he clearly went off the rails toward the end there. And I don't think he would have slowed down.
2: Well, it's a weird because he – we don't do serial killers on this show. But I would say of all the people we've done, he's the closest thing to just a straight-up serial killer. Like if he was in any other neighborhood, he probably would have just been – like from the child abuse to all that to then coming back and putting that abuse on others to just feeling like he was like like, that Talio guy, we were joking like joking about, like, that guy wasn't even a dude to... Like, he said he snitched, but he probably just wanted to chop him up to show homeboy how to chop up a bot. Bi- like, mm. he really just seen people as, like, yeah, I'll kill this guy. Like, his mindset was, like, pretty fucking bad. Yeah.
1: Well, I say we'll call it a unanimous two, because like you, I was leaning towards three. Yeah. But then once he started knocking off his whole crew, yeah. that got a little bit more fucked up. But I think in order to go one, you either have to have volume numbers or style points. You
3: right, know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a lot
1: of bosses. It wasn't no sniper shit. It wasn't nothing tricky. It was a yeah, lot it of just... was like a
3: like, super killer.
1: Right. Well, it was just straight... I mean, I don't know who am I to talk about it, but it was straight, consistent, just gangland style, yeah. you know, walk up to him. I mean, like you said, outside of when he first started off, the karate shit never even came up too much. Maybe if he'd have right, fucking yeah. busted out some swords or some nunchucks, we could have moved it up there, but... <laughs> yeah.
2: But also, I mean... When it comes to that thing, like he kept it within the game, I think all of you are just looking for a reason to kill. I think he's just sitting around. I mean, you gotta think like story wise when you read the stories, like, yeah, he thought they were snitching, so then he did all that. But you gotta figure one situation because they were probably like hanging out and somebody like, you know, I don't like you fucking snitch. like we've all hung out in the bar like hung out with someone, they get all drunk and then they start like, No, I can't be drunk around this guy. He just wants to start playing. Yeah, like, like you can't be he, around. Him he when seems it gets like to a he's one of those certain dudes insane, oh, they're snitching. Was just an excuse for him to be stabbing people. Could have been paranoid, all that. Yeah, shit. I mean, he definitely seemed pretty
1: paranoid. No, so all right. So we're gonna go to DefCon Two. Take it to DefCon Two. You heard that, gentlemen? DefCon Two. Either you guys got anything
3: before we go? Did they describe him as sociopathic? Like after after time went on and things, you know, obviously things have evolved. Uh, speaking about true crime or speaking about criminals in general. Uh, did you, uh, in the research that you were doing, come across anything where they started to label him as a sociopath or say that he was on actually on the way to maybe being a serial killer?
1: Okay, here's what they said. is One, they did say he's a sociopath because at first they said he, they would have labeled him a psychopath mm-hmm. if he didn't seem to really love Celeste. Got it, yeah. Um, which See, they say he- is not very typical. The other thing they said... That if it wasn't, he's technically what kept him from being a serial killer is his mob affiliation. So he's a mob hitman, but they do say the collection of stuff is a serial yeah, killer tendency and, yeah, yeah. that they don't see from mob hitman. They don't do that. They're right. a lot more just callous. They do it because they don't care, and it's part of the job. It's business, right? Yeah. So for him, it was clearly more than business,
3: right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like it just seems like there, that there was a there, there was a urge for this lifestyle. And it just so happened that the neighborhood that he grew up in facilitated what he may have done
2: if he was born anywhere else. Well, well see, I don't think, I mean, it's geographic because it happened. There's that, that all them fucking beatings. Like, that's a very common kind of within, like, almost all serial killers get picked on and beat and just that violence as a child. And then that shit, when you grow up, that's just how you are. Like, he was just born into violence. And I think that karate probably had that discipline in it. But then when he came back, that discipline went to the wayside. Yeah, so it was all just hands.
1: Yeah. Well, to finish the quote that they said earlier, the guy that said he was like a, like a a dog chained to a fence that got beaten every day. Yeah. They said eventually when that dog grows up, he's going to bite. Mm. And uh, that was basically Tommy Grotty. He got the shit kicked out of him for so long. Yeah. He was broken. He was There's a broken dog. Angry little Man. pit bull. All right. Well. That's uh, that's Tommy Karate Nice This is the Bad Guy Podcast Thanks for coming Thanks for listening Hell
3: oh, yeah.
0: yeah Say hello to the bad guy. bad guy The good guy coming last place, last place. Last Smell that dope last when I pass by, by. Oh, I, oh, I lay my money at a fast oh, pace Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy come at last place. Spend a dope when I pass by. Hey, I let my money at a fast pace. We was down bad. My mama had to be dead. Spend my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise. While trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jokes, a hundred scams. Hey. Ay, so out of money grabbed a honey house Said out of money grabbed a bunch of <coughs> And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or to the fuck a judge with a grudge I'm blowing crud for my mental life Ay, And I still keep it homie Running tell your big homie First you meet your dead homie Ay, Yeah Say hello to the bad guy, bad guy. Ay, yeah. The good guy coming last place last You smell that dope when I, I passed by, by. Oh. I like my money at a fast pass Bad guy. bad guy, good guy come in last place. I'm dope when I pass by. I, I let my money at a fast pace. I just did the dasher right? in the fast lane. Let my money at a fast pace, look like a drag race. Control re in my ashtray. I'm in my bag, yeah. good girl, bad face, slim no waist and a fake And she in love with the bad guy. Bitches never act right Aye. She act up until that back fly I Did it turn around in one night yeah. Say hello to the bad guy Aye. The good guy coming last place You smell that dope when I pass by Aye. I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy The good guy coming last place you smell that dope when I pass by Aye. Fast pass, fast press.